So this morning, we're going to be talking a little bit about faith. Um, I guess every morning we should be talking somewhat about faith. Uh, but as I was praying, praying about what the Lord wanted me to speak to you about, you know, just considering that not only are we about to enter into a new year, uh, not only did we just come out of 2020 and the craziness of, of this year, but I think for a lot of us, seasons are just changing in general. Um, just a g- general change of, of, you know, atmosphere or work or, or whatever it is. And I think for, for most of us, there are things in our hearts that we want, that we desire, that we're seeking from the Lord that many times can seem distant. They can seem um, impossible. They can seem unreal. Or sometimes God puts things ahead of us and honestly, they're just a little bit scary. They seem like uh, God is asking us to do something that we and ourselves could not do. Or I've even had people, you know, come to me. It's almost, almost as if they're saying, like, if God really knew me, he wouldn't be asking me to do this anyways, which is kind of a silly thing to say. But many times the way we, the way we feel and the thoughts that go through our head they don't have to make sense, right? There are fears and there are insecurities that can keep us from the fullness of what God is calling us to do or to be. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about just believing in the Lord. And we're going to be looking at a, at a handful of scriptures. But before we begin, I want to just pray with all of you one more time. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters that are here with us in this place. I thank you um, for Friendship Bible as a place where we can just come and worship you, where we can be together without fear, where we can just build real relationships, Father God, and uh, rather we're dressed up or dressed down, Lord, we know that, that we're here for you. And so, Father, as we open up your word, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word with a joyful obedience. And Jesus, right now, together, we just humble our hearts before you. We declare that you are the king of this kingdom, that you, Jesus, are the pastor of this church. And we are all just servants together of you. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just stir up within me, that you would speak whatever needs to be spoken this morning, and that your will would be done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. In Genesis 15, 6, Genesis 15, 6, um, as far as the New Testament is concerned, when you look at the book of Romans, you look at Galatians, this is a very important verse. It's very important to our understanding of, of even what salvation, what faith is. And in Genesis 15, 6, it says this, and he, being Abraham, believed in the Lord and he, the Lord, accounted it to him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, the writers of the New Testament, they use this as the focal point of the foundation for us to understand that we have the freedom to come before God now through his son, Jesus Christ, not by works, not by any merit of our own, but that Abraham who was called by God, he didn't petition for that relationship, who was given a promise by God before he had ever asked. 
Abraham, who was before the law, before any commandment, simply believed in the promise and the character of God. And that faith, that trust, pleased God. And because of that alone, God called Abraham righteous. Now, I want to talk to you about this faith that Abraham had, this faith that we are called to have. Because in Hebrews eleven six, 6, uh, it says this, that if anyone has faith, they must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so there's kind of this two-part system to our faith. Um, first of all, we have to believe that he is. There's, there's this moment where we come into faith in Jesus Christ, where we're renewed, we're born again by the Spirit of God. And you might almost say that now that, that belief in God, I mean, it's kind of settled in our hearts. There's a conviction in our spirit that is given to us by God that, that doesn't shake, right? However, the second half of that is believing that God rewards us for seeking him. That there is a reward for drawing closer and closer and closer to the Lord. And really, the way I want to focus on that today is I, I know we believe in the Lord. I know we believe in Christ. But there is a day-to-day, sometimes moment-to-moment challenge to our faith. On Are we going to believe who God is? And are we going to believe what Jesus says to us in this situation? In this situation. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about Abraham. It talks about what his faith looked like. And it was not just a faith where he acknowledged that God was. It's a faith that when having no idea where he was going, having no idea how God was going to fulfill his promise to him, looking at what God had spoken and knowing it was seemingly impossible, he still trusted God's word over his own experience, over his own ability. And the crazy thing about Abraham, and I've I've kind of uh, have a soft spot for Abraham right now, is God appeared to him, began to speak to him. He, He didn't even know who this God was, which I love that. Abraham built an altar to the, to the God who spoke to him. <laughs> who do you worship? Oh, uh, the God who speaks to me. Oh, who's that? <laughs> and, and God says, hey, I'm going to bless you. Leave your family and go into the land that I will show you. The land that I will show you. Not the land that's right here on the map. Not the land that's two miles over to the left past the mountain. God literally tells him, hey, if you trust me, I just want you to walk. I just want you to walk. And when you get to where I'm taking you, I'll let you know. And see, Hebrew, he points, uh, the, the author of Hebrews points to faith, not as Abraham believing that God was there, not that Abraham acknowledged, yes, God spoke to me, but that when God spoke, he believed in the Lord in such a way that he began that walk that he left his family, he went out into the wilderness having no idea where he was headed and that he trusted that God would be faithful to his word, 
that God would be faithful to his character to supply what was needed and to protect him and lead him to where he needed to be. Now, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for for Abraham right now because I'm going into San Antonio. I don't know where I'm going to live. I have no idea exactly what the ministry is going to look like in, in a lot of ways. All I know is that the Lord told us and has been telling us since the very end of 2018 that we needed to go. And that over the last couple of months, the Lord confirmed to me very clearly that we need to go now. And we're having to just trust in the Lord. But you see, when we get into these situations, and sometimes it's, you know, we have desires, desires for good things. We have desire, desires to, to be leaders. We have desires to be financially stable, Right? We have desires to have a family. We have desires to pursue a certain dream. Sometimes we have a desire just to be sober, just to remain sober. And a lot of times we end up in the garden all over again where we have the promise of God, hey, come and seek me and I'm going to reward you. Hey, come and follow me and I'm going to lead you. Hey, trust in me and I will always be there. We have these promises from God, but then we have these whispers like Satan in the garden. Oh, well, you know, God, he's not really going to kill you. You're not really going to die. Oh, you know, he's actually holding out on you. And see, Satan whispers these things in our minds and our hearts that challenge our faith and they challenge us in such a way where we have to decide, are we going to believe in the Lord? Are we going to believe in who he is and what he says he will do? Or are we going to believe in our fears? Are we going to believe in our uncertainties? Are we going to believe in our insecurities? Because there were many Israelites who saw the fire of God fall from heaven, who were there when God spoke from the mountain and Moses was exceedingly afraid and trembling. They believed that God was, but they did not trust in the Lord. They did not believe in who God was for their life. And time after time after time, they knew he was there, they knew he was present, but they turned back to their fears. They turned back to their selfish desires. They, oh, there's giants in the land. We might as well go back to Egypt. And really what that is is, God is not actually going to deliver us. If we go fight these giants, you know what's going to happen? They're going to step on us and we're going to die. And it's that simple. It's a challenge of faith. And this morning, as I've been considering these things, I've been considering the goodness of God. We have to understand that faith is is so central to our daily life. And one of the things I've said and pointed back to often, you know, is we forget sometimes that like like faith is a real thing, man. Like faith is something that needs to be present like in your daily decisions. Faith is something that needs to be stirred up, that needs to be, you know, that you should cling to, that you should consider in your life. Faith is so important. In the book of Romans, he says simply that the just shall live by faith. Anybody ever heard me say that like 1,800 times? The just shall live by faith. Not that they're going to be saved by faith. Yes, we understand that. I hope you understand that. We've been preaching about that for a long time. Uh, But that there's a whole life, there's an experience now past that. 
to live by faith is a moment to moment, step by step, breath by breath decision. Faith is now a state of being for those who are in Christ Jesus, that he has captured our hearts and no one can snatch us out of our hand, but it's also a decision that we have to make in the face of fear and of temptation. You know, one of the things we need to ask ourselves is why should we believe in the Lord? Why should we trust God? You know, Abraham, he's cooler than most of us because he was just like, okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like God had not, he hadn't done all the signs and wonders he did for Israel. He didn't come in the form of Jesus to do miracles and raise from the dead. He simply spoke to Abraham and called him out and Abraham believed him. That's why his faith was so mighty. We have to be reminded again and again and again and again and again and again. And we look at the scriptures in the Old Testament and we look at Christ in the New Testament and we see that he's worthy. We see that he's holy. We see that he's able. And still we forget. And we forget. And we have to be reminded. I have to be reminded. (laughs) I don't know about y'all. Right? And there's this question, even if we're not asking it, it exists in our hearts. Why should we trust God? And God, why should we have faith in him? And I think there's a very simple answer. Why, why is God trustworthy? And you know one of the most important answers to that question? God is trustworthy because he's not like you. Amen. He's not like me. See, if you have any faith and trust in me, you in for a bad day. Okay? Because I have highs and I have lows. My knowledge is limited. My power, it's pretty weak. <laughs> I don't get to the gym much. Still sore. Still sore. <laughs> yeah, we did, he did, anyways, we're not gonna get there. Right? Everyone in this room, according to the scriptures, outside of Christ is a liar, is a thief, is a murderer, is an adulterer. You're unjust, unholy, unthankful, selfish, self-seeking idolaters. And if that's where your trust is, is in you, is in your pastor, is in your favorite theologian, you're in for a bad day, one of these days. But God is faithful. God has no highs. He has no lows. He is steadfast. The scriptures say in Romans, let the word of God be true in every man a liar. His word is verity, absolute truth. He is a man of his word. He has fulfilled his promises. What I love about his promise to Abraham is he says he was going to give him a son of his own flesh. He was going to give him a land as an inheritance to his people. He was going to make his descendants more numerous like the stars in the sky, like the sands of the sea. And out of his line was going to come the Messiah who would bless all nations. And not only did he fulfill his promise to Abraham in his time, he's still fulfilling it to this day. And he's still going to fulfill it in the future when Israel will, during the millennial kingdom, own that land, undisputed, uncontested, and Christ will reign among his people. God is faithful. You know, in Isaiah 40, 21 through 31, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, the book of Psalms are so, so man, they're so rich and if you're ever struggling, if you're ever having a hard time, if, if you don't know how to process something going on in your life, just start reading through the book of Psalms. 
Start reading through some of the passages in Isaiah because they remind us of who God is. And David, man, he was all jacked up. If you go through the book of Psalms, so he's got, he's got a psalm for every occasion. You know, are you sad? There's a psalm. Are you happy? There's a psalm. Did you just steal a man's wife and murder him? There's a psalm. Hopefully that doesn't apply. But in Isaiah 40, 21 through 31, it says this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by God? Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, (laughs) he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail or fall. I can't see through my tears, sorry. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God is faithful. And Abraham being far past the age of bearing children. Abraham who had a barren wife. Abraham, whose expectation was he was going to die, an old and blessed man, yes, but with no heir. And his family line was going to go to a slave. That was his expectation. That's what was going through his head and his heart on a daily basis. And we know that because when God comes to him and says he's going to bless, with, bless him, Abraham says, well, how, Lord? What are you going to give me? What are you going to give me in this world when I don't even have an heir? And what was he saying is like, God, I've, I got land, I got camels, I got servants. And to him, all of it was nothing. Because the one thing, the heir, that blessing of God, he didn't, he didn't have it. But God said, no, you're going to have a son by your own flesh. They were so old that when God said that, they both laughed. You know, we okay, look, check me out. Google this, go through your Bible, something, okay? We know Isaac's name means laughter. If you don't know that, now you know. And everybody blames Sarah for that, obviously. Um, she laughed, and the Lord said, well, why do you laugh, right? Oh, I didn't laugh. Well, yes, you did. But at the first time 
the first time that God tells Abraham, Abraham laughs. Because that promise was so ridiculous, it was so impossible, it is mind-blowing to think. We're going to have a child at what age? 99? I don't even want to know what that, like, that's, that's crazy. Poor Sarah, I remember her recovery time must have been a long time. <laughs> but he believed in the Lord. He trusted his word that that thing, that hope that had been given to him by God that he could not fulfill and that realistically was impossible, that God was able to bring forth. Not because Abraham was going to somehow get younger. Not because his circumstances were going to shift in a favorable manner, but simply because God was able to do what he and what we are not. And see, many times we get in these circumstances and we're not, you know, we don't talk these things out a lot of times in our heads. We, we, we won't say, oh, I don't believe God is faithful. But our response to situations says that line for line, word for word. There was a video Stephen showed me one time uh, about a guy doing a spoken word and talking about his fears and his doubts and the way Satan would work in his heart to make him question even his own faith. Well, what if this was all just made up? And one of the lines, really the only line I remember from the spoken word was he said, maybe before I question and doubt, something like, I should doubt my doubts because God is faithful. And he goes on this whole rant of reminding himself and reminding the listener of who God is. And we need to remember that God does not grow weary. His bank account does not run out. And I've shared this uh, at home church. I don't know if I've shared it on a Sunday morning, but I remember I was going to Shriner, and I only went to Shriner because God told me to go to Shriner. I, I had no desire to go there whatsoever. And I was in my garage at, at one point, and I was just praying, and I was thinking about all this debt, student debt I'm going into, going to school. Shriner is $900 less than Harvard per year. I'm serious. It's ridiculous. And I was in the garage and I was beginning to pray, and oh Lord, will you somehow kind of, you know, make this work and, you know, provide for these? And I had just been reading through Ephesians and I was just suddenly just blindsided, just bah, by a verse I had read that morning in Ephesians 3.20 where it says, our God can do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything you can ask or even think ask. You can't even think big enough to put God on the spot. And I realized in a moment how, how insecure my prayer even was, that I was hoping God might, you know, kind of consider my case, rather than realizing that God could give me literally the finances of the whole world, and it would cost him nothing. It would cost him nothing. And so I just boldly prayed and said, Lord, you sent me here. Lord, please provide. And in fact, I'm expecting you will. <laughs> Amen. And I get a bill every month for my student loans, by the way. And do you want to know what my bill says? I promise you. It says zero. I get a student loan bill every month for zero dollars a month. And as long as I pay my student loan bill for 20 years on my minimum payment, my student loans will be paid off. They sent a form, told me to fill it out. I filled it out, and they sent me a bill that says zero dollars. Amen. There you go. It's a pretty good reminder. Our God is faithful, right? 
In Hebrews 11.6, it even says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Do you understand that? That your life, it's really not even about you. God allows it to be about you in your own head sometimes just because he loves you, right? But it's not even about you. Everything we do, we're supposed to be a living sacrifice. We're supposed to be taking our lives, our agendas, our ideas, and putting them on an altar and killing them on a daily basis so that we can be pleasing to the Lord, an acceptable sacrifice. But guys, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And again, I'm not talking about the baseline faith that we all share. I'm talking about having faith in him at every one of those junctions, at every one of those temptations. And every time we feel like we're too afraid to move forward because we don't know what's gonna happen, is God faithful or not? And at the end of the day, that's really the only question we need to be asking ourselves. If I'm faced in the position where I have to lose a friend or a family member because of my faith, and there's all these fears and all these concerns, the only question I really need to ask is, is this what his word says, A, and is he faithful or not? And if he is, and I can trust him, I can trust him over my fears. I've spoken many times about everything God has called me to do has always been above my pay grade. I'm always stepping into situations where if God does not show up, this will not work, like no plan B. And if you feel like you're in that situation, is God faithful or not? Ask yourself that. Gauge your response. Gauge your, your emotional status on a day. I mean, are you shaking with fear and anxiety and biting your nails and you can't stop thinking about it? And ask yourself, what, what statement are you actually saying to God in worship? Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you believe that God is going to reward you for your faith? Because that's what he's saying. Not by your works. A lot of times we think, oh, we got to do all these good things. We got to, oh, we got to, you know, do this and this and this. The only work God is looking for is for you to believe in his son. To believe in the word of God, that his way is better than yours. That doing what he says makes more sense than doing what you want, even when it makes no sense at all. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? Man, I could write a book, Okay. Doing what he says makes more sense than doing what you want, even when it makes no sense at all. It's just having faith and clinging to who the Lord is. You know, I want to read real, real quick as we come uh, close to our, to our closing here in, in Hebrews 11, the context of what he's talking about, this faith that pleases God. And I want you to notice how these people trusted God in such a way that it changed the way they acted. They trusted God in such a way that you could see it in the decisions of their life and that there was a reward for that. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. 
But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, God's promises and provisions are both for, he, for us here today and for the kingdom to come. If the only salvation you're, you're waiting for is one that's going to happen after you die, you're missing out on the fullness of the life Christ has called you to. He grants salvation and blessing and protection and provision today. He grants um, provision in your relationships, in your work life, in your character, all of these things that every day we're being challenged in by the world, by the flesh, by the devil. It's very simple. If we cling to the Lord, if we cling to his word, he will reward us in those endeavors. Guys, finally, I just wanna, I wanna leave you with um, Psalm 50, 15. 50, 15. You know, the Christian, the Christian faith um, is not always easy, but it's very simple, right? And Psalm 50, 15, I think, just really, really clarifies the Lord's will for you in your life. Psalm 50, 15 says this, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Guys, it's that simple. Call upon the Lord in the day of trouble. He will deliver you. And, he, and glorify him for that. Too many times we get stuck in situations where we're looking to everyone around us to solve our problems with their answer, their wisdom, their provision. And we forget to cry out to the Lord because he's really the only one that can do it. And if we believe in the Lord, the first reward of that faith is a confidence. It's a peace that surpasses your understanding. It's not about your knowledge of faith. It's about your encounter with it to him on a daily basis. Call upon the Lord. Trust in him and he will deliver you. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you that you're good. We thank you that you're faithful, that you hear our prayers. Lord, that we can trust. Lord, you've proven yourself faithful time and time again. Over the centuries, over the ages, Lord God. You do not change. You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, Lord. And all who put their trust in you will not be ashamed. And so, Father, today, I pray that you would just reveal the hearts, the hurts, the desires to us again. You would just make them fresh 
that we would consider these things we've been holding on to, hoping for, and that we would trust you with those things, Lord God, knowing that anything you put in our life, you will fulfill. And even those things that are of our own desire, that you move out of the way, that you take away, that, Lord, there's a blessing even in that because your ways are greater. Father, I pray that you would help us, each one of us, not to be so self-focused, not to be faithless, but to choose to glorify you, to thank you, and to honor you in all things, calling upon you and you alone for our deliverance. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.